you're dealing with being a Calvinist, which we are not because it's not doctrine. But one thing in that is this, and I've said this to Calvinists before, is it that you are so holy that you would bring a child into this world and not knowing if that child had a chance of redemption? How horrible a person you have to be. If I believed in predestination and I believed it with all my heart and with all my soul, I can say that I would be so frightened to ever have brought a child into this world knowing that they may be without hope. Isn't that, wouldn't that be horrible? Wouldn't that be horrible? And I've never had a Calvinist answer me on that. He's never, they've never given me a good answer to that. And the ones I've asked had children. Well, I can tell you today that mankind is born and we are damned because of what we are. But God has never turned his back on any of mankind and not offered the free gift through grace of Jesus Christ by repentance. It's there for all. Who will come may come. So in that passage, I wanted to clear that up, and there's some things here that I want us to see. It is man's free choice to come to God, and God will leave that choice to you. But you know, it's a lot like I believe that everyone here would say, if I was to ask the question, that they believe in prayer. Amen? Believe in prayer? You believe prayer can actually do anything that God can do? I <laughs> But now I do know that when I go to the Lord in prayer, He already knows the situation I'm in. Amen? He doesn't see it. But when I come to Him in prayer, He knows what I'm going to ask Him before asking Brother Charles, because He's all knowing God. But what it happens in a prayer life is when I finally come to the place that I know that I'm needing help, I'm actually worshiping him when I ask him to move in my prayer life. I'm actually saying, Lord, I'm not capable of anything on my own. Lord, I can't glorify you on my own. Lord, I can't do anything on my own without your presence and your moving in my life. So I come to a place in prayer where I say, Lord, it's all on you. I can do nothing. Tell me what you Every verse between verses 3 and verse 15 in this passage of Scripture is one long sentence. And it's a long prayer list. Paul's mind goes on and on about what God had already done. And his mind goes on and on about what God is doing. And he's thinking of the things to come and what God's going to do in the future. He is praising the Lord in this passage of Scripture. You see, Paul is thinking of Christian as a chosen people. And I want us to look at some things. I want us to see three things of God's choices for his children in this passage of scripture. First of all, look there in verse 4 with me. According
somewhere along the line it has crept into our churches and our churches have become so involved in their own life that they think they can serve God on their own or not serve. Do you know it is not your choice if you teach Sunday school you've been chosen for that task. And if you're teaching it without being chosen, come see me and we'll find a new teacher. God has appointed his people to do certain things for him. I heard a story one time of a young man who went to a revival service. He just was visiting. He walked into the church, sits down on the back, and during that sermon of that man that was preaching that night, he said the Lord and the Holy Spirit moved on him in a great mighty way. And he knew at that point in time that God had called him to preach. He walked the aisle, told the man up the front that the Lord had called him to preach, to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ during that time of worship. The next day, he was telling someone that God had called him to preach in a revival service. And he said, uh, who was the preacher and what did he preach on? He said, I don't have a clue. I just know God moved. It wasn't the preacher who chose him. It was God who chose him during the service. He knew nothing about uh, who the preacher was or what he may have said to lead him in that direction. It just took God, the Holy Spirit, moving in his life. Those of us who are saved do not have the right choose to serve the Lord. It's not your choice. No, praise God, he's chosen us to serve him. He's chose us to serve him. It isn't our choice to teach Sunday school. It's God who chooses. It's not our place to choose where we serve the Lord. serve God in a place he hasn't chosen you to serve. Nor can you serve the Lord in a place he's called you to serve and not take your out of service. You know, we need to take this covenant to the master first. Before you make any decision of life, now you may say, well, preacher, you're getting way conservative on this, but I'm going to tell you, this is the fact of God's word. This is what God's word teaches. This is what God's word says. Before you make any decision in life, you need to be able to say, God has chosen this for me. Well, what are you talking about? I'm going to say this. Before uh, you pick a college to go to after school, high school, you need to know that's where God chose you for you to go. Amen? I was not thinking that too far. Before we buy a vehicle, Brother Michael, we need to ask God if that's the tell you this, I believe God is so involved in our lives that if I'm going to buy a vehicle he will, he'll choose the make he'll choose the model, he'll choose the package and he'll choose the color if I'll allow him to. You believe that? Of course that's the way it is. God's involved in all aspects of life and we think somewhere along the line that we have the choice to make or the decision we can make on our own. No we don't. No we don't. I think before you get married I believe before we have children that we need to know that's what God has chosen for us. I don't believe anyone would say, well, I tell you what, I'm fixing to go buy a home right here. I like it. I don't care if God likes it or not. I don't need him to bless anything about it, so I'll just do it on my own. Would you say that? No, you wouldn't. Well, what makes you think that God hasn't chosen the place for you to buy? Well, he has, if we'll listen to him. But we say, well, you know what, there's certain things I'm just going to keep my thumb over in life. 
certain things I'm going to do in my life, I'm going to tell you, those are the very ways that we get ourselves in so much trouble. And we be thankful. We need to do that. What child of God shouldn't want what God has given to you? What child of God would think, you know what, I don't want Things which only he can give. Isn't that 
Within myself, you know what's going to happen to me? Now, this is a touchy subject that a lot of people don't like to discuss. Because this day and age, we've tried to change. We won't call them graveyards anymore. You notice that? There are more gardens or something to that effect. Cemetery is a harsh word anymore. What's funny is it's just harsh in the world in which we live. But you know what I will obtain upon my own?
that he must be so different that they would even try to kill him. Now in America, our new modern church, many are trying to mold themselves into, has been to play down the difference between the church and the world. Well, you know, if we're going to grow, Brother Charles, we're going to have to kind of start backing off some things. If we're going to grow, if we're going to have big offerings, we can't bring people in and start talking about sin and things that are in their lives that God doesn't approve of. We can't have those type things. If we're going to build this great and mighty church, we're going to have to start maybe complying a little bit and standing back and not taking biblical stances. You see what that happened? Paul knew there had to be a difference. In America, we took the modern church, we started, started downplaying the difference between the church and the world. Liberalism has moved in and humanism has moved in. And uh, God has been moving out. Modern church is telling people, you know what, as long as you live a decent, respectable life, it's, all, it's quite all right to become a church member and to call yourself a Christian. You don't have to stand out differently than this world. As a matter of fact, I tell you what, we probably don't need to discuss a bunch of things about sin. Let's just accept everybody exactly where they're at and tell them all's going to be well, put a smile on our face, and especially when it comes to our own life. That all this hidden stuff that we have when we can come to church on the Lord's Day and we can dress up in our Sunday best and we can walk in with this smile on our face and our sins be so full and black in our soul and never one time think of repentance before a holy, righteous God that knows all. Well, we don't go that far. We don't want anybody to see us at the altar and think something's going on in our life that we've sinned somewhere. Well, let me tell you this. As your pastor, I know all of you sinned this week, and I did too. A fact. I know you did. You say, well, preacher, you didn't follow me all week. I don't have to. I know what you are. You're a sinner. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's what I am. I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and I found that Savior. So, if you feel today, well, you know what? I, I don't look much different than you. Matter of fact, I look and if this world cannot tell that you're a child of God, one or two things are wrong in your life. Because God set you aside. That's what He said to you. We've been set aside to be holy. We've been set aside to be blameless. So one or two things are going on if you're not any different than the people you work with, the people that you associate with, the people you stand in Walmart with. There's something going on, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Here's the two things that are just simple. If you or I are no different, one of the two things is here. You are still lost, or you're so backslidden you can't tell the difference. That's one of the two things that you need. So if you're not different, you're lost or backslidden. You see, Jesus isn't the problem in this. We are. It should be possible. To identify a child of God at school, at work, 
in a restaurant, at Walmart, everywhere we as Christians should be seen, we should be seen as set apart in a difference in our lives. The difference is that Christians have not uh, as the human laws compels them. That's not what we are driven by, what the human law compels us to be. No, we are compelled by the commands of Christ what we are to be. The difference is within us, from within. Well, let's look at verse 14 there again. The world without blame. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Word of this is used for sacrifice. Under Jewish law, before an animal could be offered as a sacrifice, it must be inspected. And if it had any blemishes, it was found, anything was found uh, in this animal that made it less than being what it should be, it was rejected as un and unfit for an offering before God. So the word without blame tells us that as a child of God, everything about us, the whole person, the whole activity, our whole mind uh, uh, thoughts and the things that we have go through our mind are an offering to God. It's telling us that every part of my life, my work, my out in public, when I'm sitting at home by myself, my personal relationships are to be made in such a way that it can offered to God. Is there anything in your life that you say, well, I would do the same thing if Jesus was standing here beside me? I know in my life there's things that I wouldn't say that about, so therefore I need to repent. Brother Charles. I need to get that right. If anything that I'm doing, any thought process that I have, anything that I feel in my heart, if it's not acceptable as a sacrifice before a righteous, holy God, I need to get rid of it. That's what that passage is telling us. You say, here's the biggest excuse I always hear. And I've used it now, so I understand it's an excuse because I've used it. Well, you know what? I'm not perfect. You know what follows that? When someone says, well, I'm not perfect, you know what they just told you? Whatever they're fixing to do, they're not going to give their best in They've already set themselves up for failure. If anybody walks up to you and you're trying to build a house, and they say, well, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to do the best we can, but we ain't perfect, find you another contractor because he's already set you up to mess it up. Right? Carry your card on mechanic. He says, well, we're going to give it a shot. But you know I ain't perfect. Find somebody else to fix your car. At least it's to mess it up. We've walked around too long as God's children and say, well, you know what? I'm not perfect. And you're right. You're not. But I'm going to tell you what God demands. You know what that is? Perfection. Holiness. You say, well, I can't achieve that, preacher. And I'll tell you, I can't either. But it's not my place to say, well, I'm not perfect. I'll just give it the best shot I can. No, it's our place to get out and say, Lord, I am incapable of what you expect of me. I'm incapable to be what you would have me to be through this week, so I'm going to have to depend solely and wholeheartedly upon what you make me in this. Oh, we don't, I didn't put that factor in there. I know I'm not holy, but you know I didn't go to the Lord saying that I'm not. I didn't go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to have to have you do this. I can't do it on my own. I know what God commands us today. God commands us to be set apart. God uh, demands of us that our lives 
God never gives me or will give me second best. Do you agree with that? And you believe he won't take your second either. We as children of God are to set our standard as nothing less changes or things in our life that others don't see that we should be because we have been set aside. This morning and closing as we're preparing to take of the Lord's Supper just as this passage of scripture tells us we're to be that holy Thank you. 